Hi friends, and welcome to the True Speaks podcast with Jessica Lauren. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm so stoked to be here with y'all. I started this podcast because I believe that one of the best things we can do is share life and conversations with others about the big things, about the hard things, and about the important things. And I am so excited to invite friends from all different places for some incredible conversations. Hey friends, today on the podcast, we are chatting with my friend Olivia about her life as a wife, a friend, and her ministry, Wellwater Fargo, that loves on women in strip clubs. We have some incredibly honest conversations about what it looks like to navigate incredibly broken places and stay faithful in ministry, love people well, and I just have no doubt that you guys are going to be so blessed by her life. I know that I was, and I just took so many things to heart from this conversation. So I hope you will grab yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy this awesome conversation with my friend Olivia. All right. I think we are good to go. Thanks so much, Olivia, for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited that you're here. And obviously this was a little bit last minute. So I really am grateful um, that you took the time to do this. I messaged you yesterday afternoon (laughs) asking basically if I could just come to your apartment and chat with you really last minute. So we're just here in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. And what's the temperature outside? About negative 10 straight temps. I think a little colder with the wind chill. (laughs) Yeah, not my favorite. Uh, This Missouri girl is not really used to the cold like that. But it's okay because we just stay inside here. We just don't. We just don't yeah, go outside. Yeah, drink lots of coffee, lots of tea, lots of soup. Yes, that is that's a good way to live. Though I'm like yeah. all about the coffee all the time. So I am just really grateful for you just carving out the time randomly out of your afternoon to make this happen because we have been for a really long time wanting mm-hmm. to set up a time to chat about life and about ministry and about. Jesus and about all the things. And so I'm super. I'm super excited about yeah. everything we're gonna talk about today. I'm super excited too. It's going to be good. Okay, so just to kick everything off, I want you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what your life looks like, um, anything and everything. Feel free to just lay it on us. Yeah, I live in the sunny Fargo, North Dakota, where uh, it is a little colder than I'd like, but the people, I think, really keep it warm. I've been here for about five and a half years. I came here for college and stuck around after. And I am married to Caleb, who is a youth pastor at Burning Hearts Church. Also, fun fact, uh, Jessica took pre-engagement photos for us. And it was so much fun. They're the sweetest. (laughs) It was two days before we got engaged. And uh, she needed a model for a little promo shoot. And he has now said that if he would have met you beforehand, he would have proposed during the shoot. Oh, my God. If he would have been able to scheme with you. (laughs) That's the best. We had such a good time. You guys are just, I remember leaving that shoot um, with my friends that were there doing some filming for like a promo film. And we just left the shoot and we were like, I just love them. They are so sweet and they genuinely love each other. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but... Obviously, you would hope that everybody genuinely loves each other, but y'all just were so real and so authentic, and it really just showed the way that y'all just loved each other, not just um, outwardly, like an outward superficial love, but like very deeply, genuinely cared for one another, and it showed, and so it was so much fun. Like, I just had an absolute blast. That's so sweet. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, that was just the best. So, 
Okay, so we're just going to dive in. We yeah. have lots of questions for you, lots of things that I want to talk about. Um, but one of the big things you do um, and work with is a ministry called Wellwater Fargo. And so mm-hmm. I would just love for you to share about that and how your life intersected with that and what that looks like for you. Yeah, Wellwater Fargo is a ministry that seeks to serve and empower women and the local sex industry. And we do that primarily through outreach to the local strip club. We get to go in about once a month and we bring gifts and handwritten notes and bake goodies to all the employees at the strip club and have gotten to get to know them over the last two years. That's amazing. I feel like that is one of those things that your world doesn't intersect with very often. Like, yeah, it takes a lot to be intentional to do something like that. How did you even become aware of the need for that? Mm-hmm. Or what just opened your heart to this kind of opportunity? Well, I was actually a senior in high school. And before that, kind of throughout junior high and high school, I had had a heart for the anti-trafficking movement and researching a lot of even related topics. It opened me up to a lot of the conversations happening about abuse and assault and domestic violence and the sex industry as a whole. And when I was a senior in high school, I I stumbled upon this group in Duluth, Minnesota that was doing outreach to their local strip club. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It became one of my like life goals. So I was like, someday I want to do this. That's so cool. Yeah. So I came to Fargo the next year and as I was talking to people in the anti-trafficking community and faith communities, everyone was like, that sounds really cool. But no one really wanted to do it themselves right, or that's the, I feel like that's a big thing forward. with a ministry like that yeah it's like oh yeah we see the need for it or mm-hmm. we can listen to somebody speak on it and it sounds really cool to be a part of or you can just see the great need and, and so much brokenness but actually shaping your life to where it intersects with that and yeah. it starts to have impact on those areas is just a totally different thing totally and it's a different level beyond just advocating or awareness or education um, where you're actually kind of sitting in the nitty-gritty with people and it's it's the face-to-face yes that I think intimidates a lot of people and it doesn't look like victims and so therefore I think it's a lot harder for sometimes people to wrap their mind around it yeah absolutely so we, I met a girl named Emily my first year in college, and we both had heart for women in the sex industry. She had just been in Thailand for four months working in the red light districts. And so when we met, the first time we hung out, we sat down and we actually prayed for the girls at the strip club using their dancer names. Amazing. Yeah, they had posted the schedule online. So that's how our friendship started. Wow. And... It took three years before we actually were, like, in the club. We were waiting for me to turn 21. That's <laughs> Logistics. so awesome. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, and then also, I think that sometimes in that time span, I was kind of waiting for someone else to do it. I was kind of just hoping yeah. that someone else would, like, start it and we could just, you know, kind of come along behind them. Right, because it's a lot easier if somebody else is paving the way yeah. to link arms. But actually being the first person 
to step into that world, you know, where you are in your area or whatever that looks like is very difficult and it takes a lot of commitment. I love that you said that there was like a three-year process in between initially Mm -hmm. it being laid on your heart and actually going and doing that just because I think that being faithful to something and being intentional to continually pursue it and actually not let go of that thing that the Lord has laid on your heart is super important and not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, but it was so essential. We both, I think, had a lot of growing that we needed to do. Yeah, I we're, think probably, like, I yeah. lay on <laughs> level with you. Yeah, we both got, I mean, our college degrees during that time, her in public health, me in social work. I had some opportunities to do some hands-on work with both, like, teenagers at risk populations. I also got to intern at a church in Las Vegas where the sex industry is very much in your face. Yeah, totally. Um, and that was a lot of growing that needed to happen in me. Even I had a huge shift in my heart from being really passionate about anti-trafficking as like a cause to kind of being in Vegas and losing the passion for it as a cause, but not losing my heart for like the people. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like I genuinely love the people in front of me that were in those kind of situations or at risk but the like desire to be a part of it because it's like a cool hip cause yeah was just like really stripped away yeah well i think there's this difference when you actually and i have realized this doing prison ministry Mm -hmm. there's something so different about knowing about something and being aware about something and then knowing someone's face, yeah. knowing their name, knowing their story, and the difference that the switch in your soul and your heart, like it's easy to be excited about a cause one day and then just to be like, oh yeah, that was cool the next day. But it is a lot harder to be like invested in a, in a face and a person and a story um, and a, a relationship with someone, a friendship with someone and forget about them the next day. Like that's mm-hmm. the stuff that I think changes you is when you actually have face-to-face real life conversations with people you're not going to forget them it's yeah. not i mean like unless like there's just no way there's no, no way totally. to forget their stories and their hearts and their all of those things and it's messier than yes. like oh yes, it is. you know being a part of be, being a part of people's lives is way messier than being a part of a cause oh my gosh yeah that is like girl <laughs> you need to you need to put that on an instagram and just like <laughs> that needs to go out to the world because that is so true it's so real yeah it really is so much harder to be personally invested in somebody than mm-hmm. it is to just like champion something both are yeah, needed totally both are needed there isn't anything bad about championing a championing a cause but it has to be you have to be willing to go a step further I think yeah it's so important and so valuable yeah totally so I think that shift was really needed in me before walking into yeah, totally. especially working with the legal sex industry because mm-hmm. the vast majority of the women we come in contact with aren't trafficking victims okay. they're not being forced to be there it is their own choice their yeah. own free will Um, And so that is a different perspective that I think if I personally would have jumped straight from kind of like anti-trafficking as like a cause to strip club outreach, I would have missed some of the ways that they're different. Oh, absolutely. And I've, and on a totally different level, they're different things, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a little bit similar with prison ministry because it's easy to have the perspective from the outside of, well, 
they did something wrong. There's a reason why they're in prison. This is a consequence for their actions. And while, yes, that is part of the factor, there are a lot of other factors and a lot more things that go into that. And they're still real people. It doesn't matter. Like, all of these things aside, they're real people with real stories and real lives and real families and real Mm -hmm. dreams and real desires. And so it's, it's just different. It's just different. Yeah. And it breaks a lot of stereotypes. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen that in yes. doing oh prison ministry. Oh, my goodness. Because you have these ideas yeah. about things. Even when your life hasn't even touched it before, you can form these opinions about things. And all of a sudden, as soon as your world starts to intersect with it, you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah. I it doesn't fit in the box. I about that the right way. Like, totally. Holy cow, I need a perspective shift. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the things working with girls who are you know, exotic dancers and bartenders and black tech dealers and all of that, it has been one of the most stereotype-breaking experiences of my life because we talked to some of the women and they have families and they live very average middle-class lives, yet they, this is their work and sometimes they're in their 30s and this is the only job they have had since they were 21. Right, it's all they've ever known. Yeah. It's their lifestyle. That is, like, that is their life. That's who they are. That's what they do. Totally. And so you just, you see a lot of diversity in life situations. I mean, there's ethnic diversity. There's age diversity. Like, it's just like there is no mold and yeah. in culture, I think especially, there's, like, this stereotype of what a stripper is. Yeah. And I have found that, like, for the most part, that is a small minority. Wow, that is so interesting. I love – this is why I love having these conversations because it gives us a glimpse into these worlds that our mm-hmm. lives might not otherwise touch if we didn't have these conversations. And I've never been in a strip club. Yeah. You know? And so it's really – it's so, I don't, I love talking about this. Like, mm-hmm. this just gets me so excited. So what does it look like for you to walk through the brokenness with people? Like, what does it look like for you to just walk alongside them where they are, very practically speaking, in your everyday life? Yeah, it looks like a lot of patience. Yeah. Honestly, even I have felt that a lot of the last two years of being in the club has been the slow, long process of mm-hmm. building trust. Yeah, that's big. And each year that we've hit, there has been a major shift in how we are perceived and how we are like, re- like how people react to yeah. us, and the depth of relationship that we have. Absolutely. Well, time totally just builds so much. Like there's something to be said about people that just come back because I think yep. everybody that experienced in their life someone who has tried to help them mm-hmm. per se. Um, or befriend them or whatever yep. it is that wasn't willing to stick around long term. Yeah. And so everybody has this, well, some people more than others, obviously, tr- some trust issues. Like it's totally. hard to trust people. It's hard to let people in. I think that's difficult for any normal human being. Yeah. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to let people in. And one of the biggest ways to, to get into someone's world is to just be with them for a while. Yeah. It's the consistency. And sometimes that's looked like, um, it's looked like a lot of having to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing and where the relationships are at, where I'm at personally, um, where the girls are at, and responding to all those factors. Mm-hmm. Because I have had some, I've had like one of the girls who 
had just like a really crazy experience of how I met her and when I met her. And she was working at the club for a very short time, only like a few weeks. And we met her right in the middle of that. She ended up going through just a lot of really hard life stuff all at once. And throughout about six months, I kept on feeling her just come up on my heart and I kept like texting her and being like hey let's get coffee like let's hang out and like pestering her (laughs) but I felt like I had to (laughs) it was this like I don't normally do that with most of the girls but I was just like man she was so we had such a good spiritual conversation and she told me about her super Christian family that she grew up in and like her relationship with God and I just felt like this need to connect with her yeah and she was just going through a lot of tough stuff and she's been one who she's like we reconnected this fall and she had coffee and came to church with me and like had a really big spiritual moment and then has also kind of like ghosted a little since and so you have to like keep coming back to that like slow persistence like okay not only am I trying to like establish a relationship with someone but Mm -hmm. then keep it going and sometimes that means being the one to reach out and do a lot of the work it sometimes also means little chunks of time where you're like I I don't have the capacity personally to Mm -hmm. to like persistently try to like set up our next coffee date right well and And being okay with that right and I think it's hard sometimes because it's easy to want to be all things to all people to, to save mm-hmm. them per se and want to fix everything and something I have learned big time over the past few years is like I can't fix everything like totally. the brokenness is so vast it's so big I am not the solution I yep. want to be part of what I believe is the big solution of the gospel and the yeah. fact that like Jesus changes lives and he brings hope and and that there is hope for the brokenness in our world but there's also just a reality that like everybody is making their own decisions. And so it's our job to, to love people and to do all that we can. But at the end of the day, we can only do so much. A hundred percent. And so some of my friendships with girls from the club are, you know, fairly still surface level and or fairly occasional. And that's okay because that's sometimes where they're at and what they need. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes it looks like like one of our girls is doing um, like real estate development and like rental housing and yeah. remodeling like a duplex. Oh and so we go and visit sometimes that's her awesome. progress is on yeah. her like duplex and that and bring her coffee. And yeah. that's sometimes what it looks like to like love someone yeah, absolutely. through their their brokenness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always look like stuff that's super dramatic. Yeah. Sometimes it does look like girls telling you really hard stuff and being there for them to cry and process and pray with them. Um, But it's just a combination and being open to where people are at, where you're at in the process of your relationship with them, Mm -hmm. giving them that space to let them also kind of determine what level of depth you have in the relationship. Well, and I think that's really important too because you keep this like openness in your relationship. So maybe when things are good for Mm -hmm. them per se, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like Olivia's here. It's whatever. But there might be a season in their life where they are at their lowest low and and they know that they can come to you. 
They know that there's trust there and they know that you care about them. And so sometimes I'm like, hey, listen, like maybe not everybody's on board when things are good, but I just want you to know that I'm here. Like if things are going, not going so hot and you're really struggling, yeah. like I'm here, you know where to find me, you know, I love you, you know, I care about you, you know, and I think that's really important too. Totally. I think I've never thought about it this way, but I have similar strategy for ministering to dancers as I do to yeah. junior hires. Yeah, totally. That's the thing. They're, we're all just people. We're all just people. We all have the same yeah. needs and the same desires and the same fears and all of those things. And I, I talk a lot about with my husband's youth pastor, and so we do a lot of ministry, especially right now. Our youth group is fairly young. We have a lot of junior hires. Mm-hmm. And I love middle school. I know. <laughs> you just gotta like show up and ask them some questions yeah. about their hobbies and their life and play some games with yep. them and just be the nice, friendly adult. Yes. And that's what it takes to have a relationship established that when they face other things, they can come to you. Yeah. And so we've looked at that as being a long game approach and I definitely take a long game approach to how we interact with our dancers oh my gosh absolutely and so we also like prioritize even with our team like January we needed like a self-care month and we've actually Mm -hmm. always kind of taken January off um, unintentionally and now I think it's becoming an intentional thing because Christmas is like our big right push biggest outreach of the year and it's also Christmas so it's crazy right everybody's still just trying to like yeah. get their life together in January <laughs> trying to function and yep. so January it's cold we're usually somehow sick like yeah. so this this month what we're just doing is gathering our team of volunteers and having a night of like soup and face masks yeah. and coloring books and like that's awesome just time to bond as a team behind the scenes and take care of ourselves so that we can go back into the club and working with the women full and ready to give. Right. So I think a lot of it has been not just dealing with other people's brokenness, but dealing like with my own brokenness oh my as a human. Yeah. Oh, and, <laughs> and I think taking care of that. There's nothing that opens your eyes to your own broken brokenness than walking into situations like totally. that, where you almost, we can almost have this idea, and to, like to my shame, mm-hmm. of almost feeling better than people. Well, I'm not in prison, I'm not in a strip <laughs> club, you know? And we can feel like we are better in a way, and yet you start to walk into those places and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just like them. They, yeah. We are no different, we are on equal playing ground, and I have junk I need to work with too. Totally, like, I have had conversations out. with with some of our girls that they have like challenged me oh yeah to go deeper like in areas of like forgiveness yeah oh my gosh (laughs) girl because that is real that is so real yeah that is it's so hard you know you hear stories of people who have walked through extremely difficult and traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. and you're like oh man I couldn't forgive that girl in high school because like x y and z yeah and you're like oh shoot like that is challenging that is convicting that yeah. makes me want to want to be like that and I at least for me I've a lot of times you would think you know if you're going into strip clubs or you're going into prisons or you're going into really broken spaces you're like oh I'm like I'm bringing something to them or whatever it is and yet like the girls in my prison ministry they've been Jesus to me so many times like totally. when they've shared their ration toilet paper to like <laughs> dry some of my tears like I don't share ration toilet paper you know what I mean yeah like, I don't that is not like, holy cow, just just them loving me so greatly and so selflessly when it's it's supposed to be the other way around. And yet the beauty, I think, mm-hmm. of walking into incredibly broken spaces like that is that while we think 
our lives are going to be a blessing. Like our lives are actually blessed because of those people that we get to meet and be a part of their lives. And it's just, it is so cool. It is one of my favorite things. Yeah. People ask us a lot about just kind of like the impacts of going in, how tough it is spiritually, all these different aspects. And we do take a lot of like spiritual precaution. Like we have people praying and interceding and worshiping while we're even in the club. We have a team of volunteers that stays back and that's been super awesome. And we, you know, pray on the way to the club and on the way back and like we cover everything up, down, all around. Right. (laughs) Um, But we often like leave the club feeling really encouraged. Yeah. And sometimes it's those women who are encouraging us. Isn't that the most wild thing? It is. It has been so amazing, especially coming in this last year. We've seen a lot of times where we've come in. And the women have told us things like, hey, just so you know, when you walk in, everyone's mood lifts. Like, oh, everyone gets happier. Amazing. Everyone's face lights up. And we're like, oh, that's so good. We're, like, we're right, doing something. Like, okay, we can keep doing this. Yeah. Because, okay, so I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Like, walking through the brokenness of people's lives and into the messiness, like, it is not easy. It is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so like talk to me about what that looks like for you on a personal level like experiencing face-to-face just incredibly broken situations and broken people like how do you resolve that in your own heart like how have you wrestled with that like what does that look like for you yeah I still am wrestling with it because sometimes honestly like I I know like that the promise of the gospel is as is like not exaggerable. Like yeah, I don't know exactly right. what word it's how to real. say like, that. Like that, yeah, you yeah. can't exaggerate like the goodness of God. Like yes, I get that yeah. and I believe that, but sometimes it's hard when you look at people's lives who are doing just fine. Yeah. Where they're at and sometimes your own life you're like I feel like I'm more of a mess than sometimes the people you're like serving or leading. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to wrestle with that with God a lot and it's been a really like stretching process to really ask myself like why do you believe that the gospel is such good news like what is really what is this really about are you believing that your life like are you subconsciously believing that your life is supposed to be easy just because you have Jesus oh my gosh that is the hardest thing because all of a sudden, you know, you believe God is good and you believe hope is true when things are good, but can you mm-hmm. reconcile that when life is awful? And what does that yeah. look like to share? Like, for me, it's been really big to reconcile, okay, is hope real and is hope sure mm-hmm. in the good places and the bad places? Like, because yeah. I have to believe that before I can ever walk into a situation and share that with yeah. someone. Because if I don't believe that, then what are we even doing? Mm-hmm. Like, if I don't believe that the gospel is good news for all people in all places, what am I even doing? Like, totally. if it's only good news for me, it's not good news. Like, yeah. it, it has to be good news for everyone, you know? Yeah. And for me, like, the last few years, I've wrestled with a lot of tough stuff with my family. My parents got divorced two years ago. And um, even before that, we went from being a pastor's family to a really broken family. Mm-hmm. And I have gone through some different like health struggles and all those pieces. And it's really forced me to to wrestle with a lot of these concepts and yeah. wrestle with like, why do I believe it? Because if I try to just boil it down to like, 
a formula, even testimony of yeah. like, here's my life before I met yeah, Jesus, yeah. and then I met and Jesus, and this is how it's so much better with Jesus. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, I love Jesus since I was like three, four years old. Like, right. I don't remember a time without him, but I've like also seen a lot of hurt and pain through Christians and through the yeah. church. Yeah. And so I have had to really like wrestle in my heart, and I always kind of come back to this story of when Jesus was saying super weird things about like drink, you're gonna drink my blood and eat my body and right. the whole crowds were like what the heck yeah, is this dude talking this about like he sounds like a wacko and everyone left except the disciples mm-hmm. and jesus asked them you guys gonna leave too like kind of like here's your chance yeah and peter said where else would we go like yeah. only you have the words of eternal life yeah and i come back to that that like man where else would i go mm-hmm. jesus has had the best answer that I have found so far. Like I have found the most hope and the most um, just healing in Jesus and anything else. And even if my life might not be perfect, even if it might not be always the like picture perfect promises that we see Mm -hmm. or we want to, we expect, there is still that aspect of like, where else would we go? Right. Like nowhere else comes close to having an answer to the brokenness of life. Well, because I think if you sit down and you take, I always say like what you think about when your head hits the pillow, like Mm -hmm. most people, I mean, unless you have a special gift, don't just fall asleep, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you have your like, you have your deepest thoughts laying Mm -hmm. in bed at night um, and in the shower, of course. For sure. (laughs) It has to be in the shower. But you know, what is this life? when your your head hits the pillow. Like the reality is we all have to sleep at some point. We all have to rest. And what what is there? Like if you really just boil, boil down life to its most basic form, like what are we doing? Like if there is no hope, then what is this life about anyway? You know, because it is, we're all going through the mundane that every day if we wake up, we eat, we, you know, we work, we do all these things. We're supposed to plan for retirement. And then like, your life comes to an end. And so what are we even doing? And I feel like for me, that gives me so much hope in the Lord that like my life has purpose and that there's purpose that is going to continue after this life, that there's hope that this isn't the end all be all like this world, my life right now, it doesn't have to be perfect because it's not going to be perfect because it's not supposed to be perfect, you know? Totally. And I think that is really, it's hard to get your arms around it because you want everything to be great and you want mm-hmm. life to be easy. And yet that's not what we're called to. Yeah. Which is hard, you know? Yeah. That's really hard to wrestle with. And yet that our lives are supposed to look like us pouring out and laying down, you know, because that's what the Lord did for us. That's that that is what fills my heart with most purpose even though my flesh can buck up against it so much you know what I mean so that's that's hard um but I think that's super important so sometimes I think it's really hard um to to go into really broken places and a lot easier to just turn a blind eye to it Mm -hmm. what do you think has helped you be like stay what has helped you persist what has helped you stay faithful um in this ministry, like with these women, even through the ups and downs, obviously, like of your own personal life. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most essential things has been having a partner in doing it. Yeah. If I was doing this all on my own, one, like, I just don't believe it's an effective ministry to do yeah, on your yeah. own. That's a big 
burden to carry. Yeah, no. Uh, and so my co-founder, Emily, has been a huge part of moving forward together. Yeah. Where we are able to not just, you know, she's one of my best friends. She's it was in my wedding. My husband has known her for like 13 years. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, we, we both have known her longer than we've known each other. Like she's like one of our mutual connector friends. Yeah. And so having that ability to be really open and honest with the person I'm doing ministry with, to trust her completely, because I'd already seen her in a lot of ministry situations for three years before we ever stepped foot in the club together. Right. So I have like 100% trust in her, how she does things, who she is. And that has allowed us to just, I think, keep going. And she also has some chronic health issues. And so us learning how to be adaptable, how to know when to push through like the craziness of life and when to take a step back and rest without quitting has been really important. I think that's something I'm really passionate about too, is that like you can rest without quitting. Yeah. And sometimes like we want to be dramatic yeah, and we get yes. to a point of like so much like burnout that we just want to like quit our whole life. Right, you're like I'm done with everything. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes all you need is like I need to quit things for a day. Yeah, like yeah. I need to in my in myself just set everything else aside, and you know get some healing, get some time yeah. with the Lord, get some sleep. Yeah, eat some oh, vegetables. Man. Like a you know, sleep. You know what I'm saying? That'll do a body good. <laughs> yes, and so I think sometimes that has been that's been really great having a spouse who supports and encourages the ministry is huge. He drives our car and That's stays awesome. in the parking lot and prays. And yep, he's our little backup security person. We've never needed it, but <laughs> but we have it. It's we fine. have it. It's, it's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Makes all the parents less worried. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a that's a thing too because it yeah. can feel sometimes you're really going into dangerous situations or a little bit more dangerous than your typical Mm -hmm. ministry. Um, And so that can be really difficult too, just for people, especially on the outside. I don't know if personally you've struggled with that at all, um, but I think sometimes from people on the outside looking in, they're like, I can't believe you would do that. Like, Mm -hmm. aren't you not being wise by putting yourself in situations like that? And so I think that's an interesting thing that I have been just like thinking about and wrestling through is, Sometimes we use this excuse of being wise as a, a Christian or as a person, I guess, um, to, to say no to situations that are hard. Totally. And I understand, I think we should have wisdom. We're called to have wisdom. That's really important. But I don't think it's supposed to be an excuse for us to not do something difficult because we're not like, oh man, like it, you shouldn't go to this foreign country and share the gospel because it's illegal to, to be a Christian there. Like, that's not wise. Don't do it. No, we send those people, right? Mm-hmm. We send them and we support them. But then here in America, we're like, oh, no, it's not wise to go to that part of town. It's not wise to go to the strip club, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, wait, do we do we go where the Lord leads or do we go where we think is wise for us to go? Yeah, and I think we have some really skewed views on safety. I'm sure you've yeah. seen that with even prison ministry yeah, and totally. stuff too. And I, I felt that even um, living in for a summer in the inner city of Las Vegas Mm. is that honestly, I'm not as likely to have violence happen to me as most of the people who live there. Yeah. Like I can, I can be safe while still being out of my comfort zone. Yes. That is big. 
And when you just, I think, realize the the constant life mm-hmm. that so many people are in, right, and like you we weigh that for just a second, yeah, you know what I mean, like our life touches it for just a moment, and then we're out, yeah. and we're good, and everything's you know easy again. Totally, much. but like, what about the people who are in that constant? Yeah, major? that's their constant reality. Totally, and I like I have never felt unsafe um, in any sort of major way at the club. But I know that, like, the statistic shows that most women who work in the sex industry and who work as strippers have to deal with sexual assaults and domestic violence and intimate partner abuse and all of that. And it's, like, a very real factor in their lives. It's the statistics about women in the sex industry having been abused at some point in their life is about 97% of women. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I read a statistic very similar. I think it was in the 90s Mm -hmm. um, of, like, women in in the prison Prison, system. yeah. That most of them have gone through some kind of, like, physical or sexual abuse in their lifetime. Totally. When you hear those statistics and you just come face-to-face with that reality, you're like, oh, my word. Like, that is... Yeah crazy yeah and recognizing that they're in a lot more danger than I am yeah like yeah. just by the nature of their lives like right. the the balancing of the risk factor yeah is is definitely it just outweighs it for sure oh my goodness yeah absolutely I think that's I think that's an important conversation for us as Christians to have just in general is you know, really weighing this this idea of, okay, yes, we want to exercise wisdom and caution and all of those things, but at the same time, like, Jesus didn't say, like, go therefore and make disciples, but, like, make sure you're safe. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's not what he said. It's like, make yeah. sure that, like, you're good. He said, no, like, you're going to lose your life. Like, you're going to lay down your life as a living sacrifice, but but it's going to be worth it, you know? Totally. And so, me and really wrestling with what does the gospel look like? What does the Great Commission look like yeah. to, to really go and, and so that was another thing, you know, a lot of times ministry within the church, you have people coming to you, mm-hmm. um, but this is is looking like taking Jesus to people. And yeah. I think that's really big. So I would love to hear just your thoughts on like the, the difference and why it's important for us not to just like wait for people to come to us, um, but to be willing to go to people. Totally. I, I live a very weird life yeah you've got like (laughs) one foot in each world which is i which is why i think it's so good to talk to you because we love the church like we love the church is so important like god loves the church there's so much to be done within it yeah yeah and it's so important and Mm -hmm. so the church is a huge aspect um the local church of being a believer and so it's really important for us to be plugged in there in ministry inside the actual church building it's great that's wonderful yeah but one foot in like church building mm-hmm. ministry you know what i mean which obviously goes outside of the church building yes. walls, but you know what i mean um and then one foot in this ministry that's inside of the strip club mm-hmm. like, man what is your perspective on that and just your heart behind taking people or taking jesus to people yeah I always joke around that my my world is full of church girls and strippers, yep. which is like the it's such a weird combo, but it's beautiful That's and awesome. it's super fun. Um, I love I do love what I get to do with with the church, and you know, right now, like my husband and I are starting a youth group. Like we have only had weekly youth nights since the beginning of this fall. Oh, that's so fun. So everything is brand new and yeah. a lot of work. So in a lot of areas of our life, we're pioneering and moving things forward. Yeah. Which is definitely a shared 
component. And I think a lot of ministry philosophy is similar and does translate over different different areas of the world. Yeah. And so I think that just allows some like consistency and cohesiveness mm-hmm. while also they're very, very different. Yeah. And and both so needed. Yeah, both needed. And so we spend a lot of time with junior and senior hires, which we love. <laughs> and it's it's a very different world. Yeah. But as I kind of mentioned earlier, like a lot of the tactics are the same. You show up and you love them and you're there for them and you're present with them. And that goes a long way. Yeah. I think the, the need within the church, it, it's been really, I think that's like familiar and comfortable for me. Yeah. And the strip club outreach has been probably something that like my heart gets lit on fire yes. by yeah. more while still being more outside my comfort zone. I think so. The blend has been really beautiful. Also, our team of volunteers is a lot of young 20-somethings from churches. That's amazing. And so we have a lot of opportunities to like mentor and develop a team and team culture and all those pieces that has been a really fun part of yeah. the job too. Yeah. So even within Wellwater, we are still working with several sides of people, yeah. several different kinds of people. Yeah. So yeah, it's been an interesting balance and we're still learning it in a lot of ways. I think I think there's yeah, there's just so much need in both areas. Yeah. So what would you say, obviously, you know, a lot of people don't have any um, past experience like working um, with people in the sex industry or something like that. And so for someone who's just hearing about even this kind of opportunity for the first time or even the need for something like this or that this is possible, Mm -hmm. like what would you say to them to help them either just be more educated about it or like what would be steps if they were interested in doing something like this where do they go what do they do what kind of resources are there to like start educating people about this the first place i would send anyone is to check out strip church it's a ministry that basically works with strip club outreaches all around the u.s they have a directory of outreaches in I think at least 30 states. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and I've gone, I've got, we're like a part of their partner network, and I've gone to their kind of comp, they have like a conference alumni retreat every year, and it's like 40 women who all do this kind of work in one room. Wow. Which is wild, and it reminds you that there are more of you out there because yeah, in totally. any given city, like especially a small city like Fargo, we're all there is. Yeah. And being in circles of women who some of them have been doing it for, you know, five to ten years, it's so good to learn from each other. So there's tons of resources through them. I'm always open to talking to people. There, There's a lot more out there than what I think people realize. Yeah, totally. And it, a lot of it is centralized within bigger cities. But there's a lot of rural communities that mm-hmm. also have outreaches. I like know a woman in Texas who drives, I think, two or three hours oh, 
around like the West Texas area to go to different outreaches. That's amazing. So you just don't know what's out there until you start researching it. There are a few different memoirs from women who've come out of the sex industry. Um, That one is called Dancing with the Devil. There, yeah, we'll have to put a link. I'll link maybe a few different books that are from women in the sex industry and who have come out of it. Just to even understand their lives and their stories is an important place to start. And prayer is always welcome as well to be able to partner in prayer to find people who are doing even similar types of outreaches, even if they're not maybe like in a strip club setting, Mm -hmm. but being able to find ways to make it a real thing in your life or a face-to-face concept. Even meeting with places like your local rape and abuse crisis center or domestic violence women's shelter, Mm -hmm. different places like that in related fields, you might be able to find different opportunities to be involved in ways that might surprise you yeah and I think like basically it's like connecting with people totally so huge and as soon I think as soon as you start to pursue something like this and put yourself in situations where you're just around these kinds of things and people that are doing this kind of work all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh this door opens to this whole world that I didn't even know about before yeah which is so cool and to not despise small beginnings yeah oh I love that I love that because it might not look like anything exciting or glamorous at first, yeah. but you also might be doing the not exciting thing and be the backbone of yeah. an entire organization. Like we are so thankful for all our volunteers who write notes yeah. and bake cookies yeah, and help with all those things that aren't like the super, I guess, exciting portions, right. but they're so necessary, so necessary for us to run. Yeah. And Emily and I have been able to delegate out more and more of even like planning what our gifts are going to be for outreach mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that allows us to focus on the things that only we can focus on right. and the stuff that only we can do. And so yeah. being able to come alongside of someone who is doing a ministry like this and just saying, hey, how can I serve you? Yeah. How can I help you? Maybe it looks like babysitting someone's kids so they can go do strip club outreach. Right, right. Like maybe it looks like, you know, saying, hey, I know you're doing a lot of outreach with like at-risk people. Could I come clean your house? Could I make yeah. you a meal? Could I like just do something to support? There are like really practical ways right. that you can even just support people who are doing ministries that take a lot out of them. Right, because I think that's the beauty of the body of Christ, too, is that, you know, we're all doing all these little things to come together to hopefully, like, further the gospel. You know, that's the goal. And so maybe the way, you know, and I, for me, like, I don't have a nine-to-five. I'm self-employed, and so I'm able to go, you know, on a Monday morning to a prison and spend some time with women there. And not everybody has that opportunity because they're working nine-to-five. But, like, doesn't mean that, people can't be a part of it, you know, in yeah, some definitely. kind of way. And so just because I think you can't do the, you know, this certain thing doesn't mean that the door is totally closed to a ministry like that. Like, I loved your point of, you know, that you can be a part of it even in ways that you wouldn't think are so glamorous or so exciting, you know, that there's lots of opportunities to, you know, link arms with people and, and do that. For sure. 
I love that. Okay, so um, we're getting ready to wrap up, but I do know that you are a big reader. And so I would love to hear, like, what are some books that you're reading? Have you read anything good lately that you are loving that you would really recommend? Or do you have some go-tos that are, like, your faves? Yeah, right now I am reading Preach to Yourself by... It is by... Why can I think of her last name? It's by Haley... Morgan? Morgan, yeah. Okay, that's by Haley Morgan. I think I've seen it. It is by Haley Morgan. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, And I blanked on her last name before, but yes, Haley Morgan. And that's been really good. That's awesome. Um, One of my kind of go to rereads that I pulled out again this week is Come Matter Here by Hannah Brensher. I have really been wanting to read that one. I do love that. It's really good. I I love everything, Hannah. Yeah, right. Yeah, so she's too. so good. I love her. I started following her blog like seven years ago, so I've watched her You're whole like, I'm progression. A I, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I refer her cell phone number, but <laughs> from meeting her once and yeah. like her early days of that's speaking so and fun. all that. Yeah, so that's been. She's her stuff. I'm always a huge fan of. Present over perfect by Shauna Nequist mm-hmm. is one that I mm-hmm. go back and reread. A lot. And I'm reading Bread and Wine by her right now, yes. too. I know a lot of people that have read yeah. that one as well. That's been, like, one of my, for fun, like, bathtub books yes. that yes. I read when I just want something that's not super intense, but mm-hmm. just beautiful writing yes. and yes. some Sometimes deep thoughts about life. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. totally get that. That's so fun. I love it. I love to hear. I love to read. I wish I read a little bit more than I do, but I do love to always have. I'm kind of one of those people, and this is a really bad habit mm-hmm. that I have, but I will have like 10 books that I've started. Yeah. And so I'll just like kind of hop from one to another, and I have a really hard time like fully sticking with one book and finishing it. I just partially read a bunch of them all at once. Yes. Try to keep a list and have like ways to check it off to help. But I I was pretty good about finishing them all, and then I started a discipleship school through my church, and we have required reading. Oh, and going back to having required reading that you're like, well, if this was just my own book, I might like not finish it. But then you're like, oh, I have to at least have skim enough to to have a discussion. Or yes, you're like, I actually need to know what is all in this book from beginning to end. Yeah, so that's been it's been slowing down some of my personal reading. Yeah, I totally get that. There's only so many hours in a day, you know. Only so many books to read. I love there was um there was a book that I read and I mentioned this in the last episode, but there's this book that I read in high school and they said in this book it was called um Living Loving Doing I think is what the title is. And they said, leaders must first be learners. And if you're not first a learner, then you'll never be a leader. Yeah. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so that was also part of why I wanted to start this podcast is because I was like, man, if I want to be a leader in any sort of capacity, I have to be a learner. And so I want to learn from people that are in different life situations than me that are doing different things because we, we can't do everything. You know what I mean? Totally. Like sometimes, you know, there's this, there's a great need. There's so much brokenness in our world. And yet we can only do you know, so much. Like we can usually only like wholly put our hearts into one thing. Yeah. And so to talk to people that are doing things that are working as a body of Christ, all of us that like, you know, all of our different parts doing all of these different things, but being aware of the need and being aware of what other people are doing, how we can pray, you know, all of those yeah. things. And so I just think that that is so fun. Um, to obviously to read and, and learn from that, but to learn from other people. Totally. And so that is just, I just love that. So on that note, um, what are you learning right now? What It doesn't have to be anything crazy, but big or small. What are you learning in this season of your life right now? 
Yeah, I think there's been a lot of of learning about how to how to take thoughts captive, how mm-hmm. to assess my thoughts and see where where are they being truthful, where are they oh, filled right. with lies, yeah. being really vigilant about that. And then kind of attached to that it's that that process of really trying to speak and fill my life with with truth mm-hmm. and assess also like when are times where I need to rest and when are times I need to push through mm-hmm. and how do I know the difference and what are the thoughts that trigger right like an unhealthy resting or an unhealthy pushing through oh that's good that's so really good. I've been doing a lot of that yeah. self-work right now also just trying to I think learn a lot about my body and how health things interact with each other um because i have like several small diagnoses or symptoms that i think are all connected to each other somehow because our bodies right because function as a unit yeah because it's all one thing <laughs> it's all one thing yeah. <laughs> um and figuring out what are the most effective ways to address like my body as a whole mm-hmm. and take good care of it right as a whole thing and rather than getting kind of like stuck yeah on certain symptoms or certain issues and then also just been doing a lot of like listening and reading about just like sexual assault and abuse kind of trying to figure out even like what policies should be in place oh yeah absolutely in like a church setting too like what are best practices um my social work major sometimes comes out in some of these areas I love that like you can use that in this ministry that like you went to college for this and yet and you might not be a social worker you know by trade or whatever um but that you get to use that is so cool totally so I've been doing a lot of thinking about like how do we be preventative and proactive even like as a youth ministry where how do we get our policies out of our own heads and onto paper Mm-hmm. and kind of transitioning that. So I've been just kind of researching a little bit of yeah. like what are the people doing? What's been working? What's not working well? Yeah. And just being kind of aware. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Well, I am just incredibly grateful for you carving out time out of your afternoon. So last minute, letting us come crash your apartment. So fun. Um, and come do this. I'm super grateful. I'm off to catch a flight here in uh, I think like two hours. But I just can't even tell you how thankful I am for you doing this and I just feel like you shared so much wisdom um, to, with us and to us. And so I hope that this, I get, I'm just grateful because now I, I can see a little bit more of your world and know how to pray for you and know um, how to love people a little better. And so I'm just really thankful. So thank you so much for doing this. Thanks so and much for asking me. This happen. Hopefully this won't be the last time. Oh my goodness, friends. I just loved that conversation with Olivia. She has inspired me so much just because I have never been in that kind of world before. And so hearing about her heart and hearing about what it looks like for her to walk alongside these women in such a difficult season of their life was just so fun for me and so um, encouraging for me. So I hope you guys really love this conversation. If you guys want to stay in touch with Olivia and keep up with her ministry, you can find her on Instagram at Olivia Allness. And you can find her ministry at Wellwater Fargo on Instagram. As always, if you guys want to stay in touch with my life and get updates about the podcast, you can follow along at Jessica Lauren Photo. 
And next week is going to be a really good one. We are chatting with my friend Emily Holmes about her life in Memphis and how she is loving on people there and really pursuing racial harmony in her city. And so you guys are really going to want to hear from her. She is one of my most favorite people on the planet and I just love her to pieces. So I know you guys will too. I will see you guys next week on the True Speaks podcast.